With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 210 of SwiftCast. This is Steph. Ashley. And Adam. And we have a really fun episode for you this week. We decided to talk all about Taylor's previous openers for all of her different tours. And you might be thinking of the really big ones, but she's had several that you might not think of immediately. And we're going to be covering all of them. Yeah, I'm really excited. It was fun just thinking back to all the different tours and how she's always put so much effort into exposing us to new artists and then following where their journeys are now. And she's had some openers that have gone on to become really, really successful. And that's awesome that she was able to help get them started, even though, you know, they were up and coming artists at the time. I think she really does give a boost to people that she uses as openers. Yes, I definitely have purchased many CDs from artists I otherwise would not have just because they were openers for Taylor. So we're excited to get into that main discussion. And speaking of artists and groups who appear with Taylor, Little Big Town is a group that has appeared with Taylor as a special guest. And Ashley actually got to see Little Big Town at the Ryman this past week. It was amazing. I'm so glad I went. So they have a residency there, right? How does that work? Do they play a certain number of shows per week? And is it always the same set? Or do they change it up? Or how does it all work? So they are calling it a residency. Usually when you hear a residency, you think of like, for example, someone who's playing every night in Vegas for a few months. So it's not really like that. It's basically they have 10 shows that they booked there for the year for 2017. And they've been kind of scattered. So this weekend was the 5th, 6th, and 7th shows on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay, cool. And they definitely change up the set list because they tweeted earlier in the day asking fans what they wanted to hear. And they played, of course, their big hits, but some more unknown songs that I hadn't even heard and now I love. So I was really glad that they did that and made their set list so creative. And they actually like about three songs into the show with no warning and no announcement at all had Ronnie Dunn just walk out on stage. Oh, wow. Cool. And I think we all were hoping that Taylor would show up and sing Better Man with them. But unfortunately, I know that didn't happen, but they did perform Better Man, right? They did. And it was awesome. I was very lucky that I saw Taylor perform it in Houston. And I definitely treasure that memory. But seeing it sung by them you know, obviously she gave it to them for a reason because she knew that their harmonies worked with it so well. And it's just they do an amazing job live with it. So probably a question you can't answer, but who performs it better, Taylor or Little Big Town? <laughs> it's really very, very different. Just having one person versus having four. You know, they have two women and two men. Right. So it's almost like two different songs. And I just wonder, I always wonder if Taylor had never announced that she wrote that would i have suspected or picked up on anything and i want to think i would because the lyrics are just so taylor like every single word is just so taylor yeah i agree although i do have to say sometimes i wonder if there are other songs taylor has written and we still don't know that could definitely be true i wonder that also but yeah it was an awesome show and they have three more this year still so who knows she could show up at one of them we were really hoping that taylor would maybe show up but i think just with the way things have been lately and she's been so low-key that as the date neared we kind of thought maybe she wouldn't but hopefully in the future and if you haven't checked out our twitter at swiftcast13 ashley included a video of better man so you should check that out 
it was very, very hard to get a good quality video that wasn't shaking because I was so excited. <laughs> but I did my best. That's completely understandable. Well, although Nate is generally our trivia guru, he was unable to join us for this episode. But I think that Ashley might have a trivia question for us. I do. And it's actually a two-parter. It's something that I just learned that I definitely did not know. And I don't think you guys will know it. You might know part of it. So the first part is, it's about Jack Antonoff. And the question is, on whose album did Taylor originally discover Jack as a producer? Oh, wow. I don't think I know this. Can you give us another hint? Maybe like a, a year range? Well, it was around, it had to have been around 2013. I don't know for sure. But it is a female act, and it's someone that Taylor has had as a guest, but I won't say which tour. Okay, so you said female act, so that makes me think it's not a female singer, but a group. Wow, my first instinct was fun, of course, because I remember she went to see fun in concert in 2013. But that can't be right based on your other hints. So... Yeah, I'm stumped. Yeah, I just don't know which other acts he's produced for. The answer is Tegan and Sarah. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, oh my gosh, I did know that. He actually did an interview where he talked about how much he works with them. Yeah, and I might have known that somewhere in the back of my mind, but I just heard him talk about it recently, and I thought it was really interesting. So he's still working with them? I think so, yeah. I'm not sure what they're currently working on, but... He was talking a lot about his career in this interview that I was listening to. So I have a second part to this question that I'm sure you are not going to know and will be astounded when I tell you the answer. Okay. So he was talking about how when Fun, the band, was first starting, when they wrote the song We Are Young, they weren't sure if they were going to put it out as their own song. And there was another artist who was really interested in adapting the song and putting it out as their own but they didn't end up doing it. And I don't even think I can really give a hint, honestly. So take a shot in the dark. Well, you got to give us some kind of hint. It's a male. That's all I can really say. I feel like even the genre would get you too close to the answer. Okay, so it's going to be something odd, I feel like. Right, especially with genre. That makes me want to say country Luke Bryan or something. It was not someone in country. Okay. I will say, I'll take a shot in the dark and say Usher. Usher? That's your guess? Yes. Steph, anything? Um, wow, the genre thing really has me stumped here. Uh, I'll say Justin Timberlake. Well, you both are not too far off, but the answer is actually Kanye. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was completely shocked, and I really wish that he had actually done that, because I cannot imagine what that would have been. Yeah, it would have been a very different song, that's for sure. Jack said that at the time he heard a couple mixes of it, and he was like, I really wish I could just leak them now so people could hear what that would have been, but I'm so glad that we ended up releasing it as our own song. Oh yeah, that song's a classic. I still listen to that song a lot. I mean, that was really the song that put Fun as a band on the map, and I think got Jack a lot of the opportunities he's gotten later in his career. Did he mention anything else about Fun? Will they ever release more music? It seems like he won't say that they never will, but he constantly just talks about how his heart is entirely in bleachers right now, so I would guess probably not for a while. Hmm. Well, thank you for those very difficult trivia questions. <laughs> I just thought they were too interesting not to share. Yeah, they were very interesting. I agree. Well, for now, we're going to move into some of Taylor's older tweets. The first one is from July 26th of 2009. Taylor said, Conversations with myself while shopping. Put the candle down. You already have too many candles. Put it down. But it smells so pretty. That's funny because last week, Nate asked us that trivia question about candles, right? Yes, Nate asked us, what is Taylor's favorite scent of candles? Do you happen to know, Ashley? Well, I listened to the episode, but I already forgot the answer. It was something really obscure. Okay, it was, yeah. it was. It's called Treehouse. 
Oh, right. And it's like a super expensive, like fancy designer candle. Yes. And now we all want to buy that scent. Our next one comes from July 23rd, 2011. Taylor wrote, Dear Dad, just uploaded my pictures. Thanks for making surprise cameos in 75% of them. Hashtag parental photobombs. And unfortunately, this is a dead link that no longer exists, but I'm sure there were some great Scott Swift photos in there. And I'm sure he still continues to photobomb most of her pictures to this day. He definitely does, and I'm excited to see more of his photobombs in the future. Our next one is from July 26th of 2012. Taylor tweeted, So, this posture situation right now, and she included a photo of Meredith in the corner of a room, just laying with her terrible posture that we all know and love. (laughs) And our next one is from July 26th of 2013. Taylor said, Gillette Stadium wins my imaginary award for best backstage banners. And this was a picture of Meredith wearing what I believe was a New England Patriots football helmet or hat, um, because that is where they play at Gillette Stadium. That's so creative. I love seeing all the different banners that stadiums and arenas have for Taylor. I think for the 1989 tour, Gillette did a collage of pictures that fans sent in. Yeah, I feel like that happened at a few different locations, too. Which is great. It gives Taylor something nice when she arrives and the fans get to be part of something. I think that's always a great idea. Our next one is from July 27th, 2014. It was a picture of Meredith in the foreground and Olivia in the background looking at the camera. And the caption says... I feel like I just interrupted a very important conversation. And this picture was great because people figured out that it was taken at Taylor's parents' house in Nashville because the chair that Meredith is sitting on is actually a chair that Taylor used when she announced the Red Album back in 2012. And everybody knew that Taylor announced the Red Album from her parents' house in Nashville. So... We have some really good detectives in this fandom. (laughs) Not good enough to figure out where she is now. True. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to know. Well, our next one is from July 24th of 2015. And Taylor tweeted, Foxborough, Massachusetts, Gillette Stadium, night one. So stoked to play. And if it rains, we've done this before, haven't we, Boston? Yes, they have. (laughs) Yeah, our tweets for this week are very Gillette Stadium heavy. Yeah, she seems to always play there around the same time in July. And so finally, our last one is from July 25th of 2015. And this was from the 1989 Gillette show. Taylor tweeted, Thanks, Walk the Moon, for surprising the Boston crowd with Shut Up and Dance, 60,000 person dance party. That was definitely one that I was very upset not to have been at. Yeah, me too. And I think we all kind of were expecting that to be a guest performance, because that song was so huge. It really was. Thinking back on it now, I do think that we predicted that song when we talked about predictions for surprise guests. And I also remember how the singer from Walk the Moon had a sparkly jacket that matched Taylor's. He did, Mm mm-hmm. Yes, and I think for this song, they had the wristbands light up in a bunch of different colors. I think so too. It was like a wild light show. Yeah, that would have been really neat to see live. Well, that's all we have for Taylor's older tweets. And although Taylor has not been seen very much at all lately, we do have a few pieces of news for this week. Our first one is cool. It's from NPR, and they put out a list of the 150 greatest albums made by women. And Fearless is on that list at number 99. So Fearless was the only one of Taylor's on the list? Yes, it was. Which I think they all should be, but... I wonder if they chose Fearless mainly because of the Grammy success that it had at that time. Well, and I think the other albums might still be a little bit too new. That's true. We're coming up on almost 10 years of Fearless, which is crazy. Yeah. Definitely. 
I think that in the future, if another list like this is made, several of Taylor's albums would be included. Well, our next piece of news is just a fun factoid. This past week, it was officially 1,000 days since 1989 was released, which is, wow, such a long time. Such a long time. The longest stretch we have ever gone without new music. Yes, we are all just dying here without new music. I've noticed this past week so many verified Twitter accounts. Sometimes I don't know exactly who the person is, but so many have been tweeting that they're just in desperate need of new Taylor music. And I feel like Taylor somewhere, wherever she is, is sitting on her computer enjoying every second of this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in terms of 1989 coming out a thousand days ago, it had such a great reception. It had a number one debut. It had three Billboard Hot 100 number ones. Of course, it won three Grammys, including Album of the Year. It has now just last week, officially sold 10 million copies worldwide. And with Taylor's recent edition of 1989 on Spotify, the album is currently 64 on Billboard's 200 list. So that's quite impressive for an album that's so old. It definitely is, and it's really, really crazy that we've been waiting this long. Well, our last piece of news for the week is that I Don't Want to Live Forever has been nominated for Best Collaboration at the VMAs. Those are going to air Sunday, August 27th on MTV, so hopefully it wins. So this past week it was also announced that Katy Perry is hosting the VMAs. And I've been noticing that after that news was announced, a lot of articles and news publications are speculating that maybe Taylor will appear and, I guess, accept Katy's apology. What do you guys think? I think that I'm already over this before the show even airs. (laughs) Yeah, me too. But I think I could see something happening like what happened last year. I think it was the 2016 VMAs when Taylor joined Nicki Minaj. Is that right? I think that was 2015 already. Okay, so two years ago. um, They had that little thing back and forth on Twitter and then uh, they made up and she performed for a little bit with Nikki on stage. So maybe something like that could happen. Yeah, I guess it could. Although I have to say, I think I'm with Ashley. I would prefer if Taylor just never said anything else about Katie ever again, never answers her in a song or in an interview, which I think would be difficult because I'm sure she'll be asked that question a lot when she does have a new album and is participating in interviews. But I think that as Taylor fans, we just are really over this. It's It happened in 2013, over four years ago. It'd be great if we all could just move on. I definitely agree. And obviously when Taylor makes her public return, that'll be a really big deal. And sure, she could appear before the VMAs air, but I just don't think that she would want one of her first appearances or performances and so long to have anything to do with katie yeah that's a good point i agree well we will see what happens in less than a month when the vmas are and as a final side note you may have seen in the news taylor will be involved in a trial in colorado that will be beginning next week and As a podcast, we're not planning to cover this in depth or anything. We're expecting that the media will go way overboard with everything related to this trial, which is unfortunate because I don't think Taylor particularly wants to be involved at all in this trial. But we do hope that Taylor can put this trial behind her and move on and then work on just purely focusing on the sixth album. Yeah, I have to imagine she wants to get this out of the way and behind her before she really starts promoting anything new. Right, so hopefully this can get over with quickly and she can come back with something new at the end of the month. That would be nice. That's true. A lot of people are predicting that maybe she'll make a surprise appearance at the VMAs. As we said, she has not attended since 2015, so we will just have to wait and see. So that's all that we have for the news for this week. 
and we will be right back with our main discussion. As we mentioned earlier, our main discussion for this week is all of Taylor's tour openers. And like we said, you might think of the main big ones when you think about tour openers, but there are actually a lot more you might not think of or you might just have forgotten about. For me personally, when we were preparing for the episode, there were a lot I realized, oh, I didn't even remember that happening. So this should be really fun to go back in time. So to kick things off with the Fearless album, there were actually three different openers. Gloriana and Kelly Pickler were the two main openers for the entire tour. But then also you had Justin Bieber as one of the openers in England in November of 2009. So he was just there for a couple dates. But most of the time it was always Gloriana and Kelly Pickler. And I was actually a big fan of both of them. Uh, Gloriana had their single Wild at Heart out at that time, which I was a big fan of at the time and still am. It was a top 15 hit on the U.S. Billboard Hot Country Songs chart. Yeah, I was a huge fan of that album. I specifically bought it to prepare myself for the Fearless Tour, and it was great. I knew all the songs they sang. I love Wild at Heart. I still listen to it. And I think that their appearance as an opener really helped them achieve even more success. They had, I would say their biggest hit was Kiss You Goodnight in about 2012. And unfortunately, I think one of the members has since left the band, right? Actually, two of them have. It's down to the two brothers now. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, we haven't really heard much from them since Kiss You Goodnight was such a huge hit. Yeah, and I also was a fan of them back from the Fearless days. I didn't get to see them because the only Fearless show that I went to was part of a festival, so it wasn't the normal opener, but I really liked them a lot, and I didn't get to see them until, I think it was 2012, because it was right when Kiss You Goodnight was premiering, and they did a small concert at CMA Fest that I went to that was great. Oh, cool. And then, of course, Kelly Pickler gained fame from American Idol. Uh, she wasn't a winner, but she gained a lot of popularity there and ended up releasing her debut album, Small Town Girl, which sold almost a million copies. She had a couple big hits from that album, including Red High Heels, I Wonder, and Things That Never Cross a Man's Mind. Yeah, she was definitely great, and she kind of went away for a while, but she seems to be making a comeback now in her career. Well, she also has a reality TV show right now, right? With her husband, I think? Yes, I haven't seen it, but she does have one. And for me, I just loved Taylor's friendship with Kelly. They just seemed to get along so well and were really good colleagues throughout the whole tour. So good, in fact, that Taylor co-wrote a song with Kelly called Best Days of Your Life, and Taylor actually appeared in the music video with Kelly. I still love that song. That's a great song. And I like how Kelly often appeared in Taylor's vlogs that she made. Yes, that was always fun. It looked like they just had so much fun throughout the whole tour. And this was back in the day where they were using a tour bus, right? So it's not like Taylor does now where she flies from show to show on her own plane, but they were driving around the entire country in a bus together, so they spent a lot of time together. Right, it's probably a little more difficult now for Taylor to hang out with her openers as much, just because she's not on the road in a bus all the time. And then, of course, Justin Bieber was the opener in England, and this was right around the time that his debut EP was released, which was called My World. And, of course, as everybody knows, he has become really an international superstar and is still going strong now. He has that new song, Despacito, which is just one of the most popular songs out there. I remember the very, very, very first time I ever heard of him or his song was in Taylor's vlog. Really? Cool. I don't know which vlog it was, but she had one time as the background song, and I had to look it up. Yeah, for me, I mostly remember that Justin, while he did open for Taylor in England, he also opened for Taylor's very first stadium show, which was, of course, the final date of the Fearless Tour at Gillette Stadium. 
Oh, that's right. Did he really? I didn't know that. He did, yes. So I really wanted to go, but unfortunately I was unable to. I went to her shows in Washington, D.C. because I thought they were the final shows for the Fearless Tour, and then she added Gillette as the final, final dates at the last minute, and Justin Bieber opened for her. So that's something Taylor will remember for the rest of her life, the very first time she was able to perform at a stadium. And of course, who can forget a couple years later when he did the episode of Punked with her? He did, that's right. That was so great. If you've never seen that, you should go look it up right now. It's so funny because Taylor was definitely punked. And then I also remember, so that was the Fearless tour that he opened. So then on the Speak Now tour, she brought him out as a guest at Staples Center. And that was obviously a huge, huge moment. Do you remember what they sang? I think that was when Baby had just come out. I'm pretty sure that's what they sang. Okay. And I remember trying to watch the video of the performance and the screams in it were so loud that I physically could not watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, hasn't he said before that they have written songs together, but we just have never heard them? Yeah, I think it was around that same time as the Punked episode, so around 2012 that he said that. Right, that was part of the Punked episode where Taylor thought she was going to work with Justin. I just wasn't sure if they actually ever did write anything. I feel like it was said that they did, but, you know, it might be in an archive in a vault somewhere. Right, things that we would love to access someday. Because he definitely is a great songwriter. I know he's had his difficulties in the media recently, but he's still very talented. Oh yeah, and even just... The story of how he became known is incredible and something I feel like that probably wouldn't happen anymore today, just being discovered on YouTube. Yeah, he really, I think, set the trend for a lot of artists and kind of put YouTube on the map in itself. Oh, definitely. And, you know, Taylor, when she's picking out these openers, usually at the point she's picking them out, obviously she doesn't know who's going to become a big star. I feel like she kind of just goes with her gut on who she likes and who she thinks will be good at getting her crowd pumped up, and she's just very good at picking those people. She's so good at picking people. And that's why I've always thought that maybe one day Taylor will have her own record label, like Ed has been doing. I could see that happening someday. Absolutely. Well, for me, one thing I loved about the openers for the Fearless Tour was that on certain dates, Gloriana and Kelly came out and sang with Taylor. I was able to see them perform I'm Only Me When I'm With You, which was amazing. And then later on in the tour, Taylor changed that and she sang Today Was a Fairy Tale. But it was really exciting to just see them all on stage. There was so much confetti and they just seemed to have a great time together. And we took a poll on our Twitter page asking who was your favorite Fearless Tour opener. And 52% said Kelly Pickler was her favorite. So moving on to the Speak Now tour, the main headliner throughout the North American leg, who I thought was really awesome, was Need to Breathe. Yes, me too. I loved their opening set. It was great. And if you guys aren't familiar, they, like most Taylor's openers, I hadn't heard of them, but they had actually been around for quite a long time before they opened for Taylor, and... They're kind of a rock band with, I guess, sort of a Christian roots to their music, but their songs aren't very overly religious, so I feel like anyone can enjoy them, but they just are a really solid rock band. Yeah, and like you said, they have been around for a while. Their third album was released in 2009, and their fourth album was released in 2011. So Taylor must have known about them and thought they would be a great fit for this tour. Yeah, this is another example of Taylor picking groups or artists people might not necessarily know about. For me, I had never heard of Need to Breathe, but was really excited to learn their music before the Speak Now World Tour. And I thought they were great. And for Taylor, it was interesting because I think a lot of people focused on the fact that they weren't straight up country. I feel like ever since Taylor began her career, everybody was speculating about will she 
not be country will she move to pop and so a lot of people focused on her choice of need to breathe but i thought they fit the tour really well definitely and going along with what you said about you know her still being in country at that time she did have a pre-opener who came on before they did and that was a rotating group of many different country acts who had a few shows each so that included frankie ballard Danny Gokey, Hunter Hayes, Josh Kelly, Randy Montana, James Wesley, and Charlie Worsham. And particularly, Frankie, Hunter, and Charlie have gone on to be pretty big on country radio. Yes, I think Frankie has had a really very successful career. Of course, Hunter has as well. I got a chance to see Hunter and Josh Kelly, um, and I thought Hunter was just absolutely awesome. He rocked it. Did you guys get to see him? I did see Hunter, probably at the same show that you did in Chicago, right? Probably, mm-hmm. And he was so young then, but he was great. Unfortunately, I did not get to see Hunter, but I can imagine he was amazing. And much like what we were just talking about with Justin Bieber, Taylor was then able to, on the Red Tour, bring Hunter as a special guest, by which time he was huge, and that was so awesome. I was just thinking back on being at that show and how amazing that was yes that was the final date in the united states in nashville and they sang i want crazy the whole arena was jumping up and down it was amazing i actually just in preparing for this episode went and watched the video on taylor's youtube page which if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while you should it's called red tour week nashville and it's just a vlog kind of of all the special guests from those shows and it made me miss it so much yes i do remember that video it's a good one and i've always been a big fan of hunter i've been able to see him many many times over the years and i've seen him in some huge venues and some tiny venues and no matter where it is he just is an incredibly talented performer he definitely is i just saw him last year and he was having some sound quality issues that weren't his fault at all. But he handled it with such grace and professionalism. Yeah, he has certainly done very well for himself. I know he has multiple Grammy nominations and has also performed at the Grammys. So that just shows you how successful he's been. And we asked you guys on our Twitter who was your favorite Speak Now opener. And Hunter won overwhelmingly with 72%. I have to agree. Even though I love Need to Breathe, he was he was great. Well, our next era is Red, and I'm sure you all immediately think of Ed Sheeran, who was amazing. We learned that Taylor and Ed worked together well before she even announced Red as the album. If you remember, she posted a little video of them hanging out and singing Lego House. It was this tiny little clip, but you should look for it if you haven't ever seen it. And they both tweeted about how they worked together, ate In-N-Out burgers, and scribbled on guitars. And then as Red approached in its release, we learned that they had a song together. Of course, everything has changed. And I just so vividly remember being really excited about Ed. I had never heard of him before. Taylor's the one who even made me aware of his existence at all. And I remember listening to Red immediately when it came out, loving everything has changed, and just really, really hoping that maybe Ed would somehow be included in the tour. And immediately after releasing Red, Taylor had a TV program, and at the very end of it, she announced the tour dates, and she also announced that Ed would be the opener, and I was just so excited. I immediately bought his album Plus and started learning every single song to be prepared for the tour. I remember that that moment vividly, that TV announcement. I remember like jumping off my couch. I was so excited. <laughs> Me too. I definitely jumped off my couch. But of course, Ed was already very, very popular in the United Kingdom and even in other countries like Australia. But I think it's safe to say that Taylor really propelled his success here in the United States. I think a lot of people didn't quite know who he was, didn't know how great he was. And he definitely attributes his success to performing on the Red Tour with Taylor. 
at least in the United States, like I said, he was already a huge artist. And I think no matter what, he would have become a huge artist in the United States, but this definitely helped him. Yeah, so at that time, only Plus had been released, and then in the summer of 2014, so the year after the Red Tour, the album Multiply was released, and of course it went to number one in the UK and in the US, and a couple songs from it became huge, huge hits, and led to two Grammy wins for Song of the Year and Best Pop Solo Performance for Thinking Out Loud. And like we talked about with Justin, we know that Ed and Taylor have written other songs together. We don't know when exactly or what those songs are, but I'll forever be hoping that we can hear them someday. And we've talked a lot about how Ed has been really funny and kind of flip-flopped a lot on what he has said when asked if he's working with Taylor currently, so still remains to be seen. Yeah, they definitely still keep in touch a lot. We mentioned on an earlier episode this month that he was reportedly visiting Taylor in Rhode Island before he performed his shows for his current Divide tour. And Ed was also included in the 1989 World Tour, which was actually the very first time Taylor performed for the 1989 tour in America. It was in Las Vegas at a festival, and they performed Tenerife Sea, which was amazing. But I think that when people think of the Red Tour, they immediately think of Ed. You might not think of some other openers Taylor had during the Red Tour, and those include a lot of people who have since achieved a lot of success, such as Austin Mahone, Joel Krause, Brett Eldridge, Casey James, and Florida Georgia Line. Yes, and I think that Austin was on all of the stadium dates, if I remember correctly, and then the others were on a combination of the stadium and arena dates. And it's crazy to think about Florida Georgia Line, because this was only four years ago in 2013. I feel like they've been around forever, and I think at that time they had started to blow up and become really famous, and it was great that they got to be part of Taylor's tour. Yeah, Cruise was already a really big song at that time. Yeah, I remember when Cruise was first released, Taylor was doing promotional interviews for Red. And she actually tweeted one time that something like, I don't know how to focus on these interviews when all that is going through my head is Baby You a Song. And she typed out the chorus. And I think that tweet helped Florida Georgia Line get even more traction than it already had for Cruise. So it was cool when she decided to include them on the tour. And they are on a big machine along with Taylor, so it's always great to see more success on the label. Yes, definitely. And I really enjoyed Brett Eldridge a lot. I got to see him a couple times. I did too, and I thought he was great as well. And like we said earlier, these were some country acts Taylor included. She was still in the country genre, even though Red had a lot more songs on pop radio. And of course, Ed was considered to be a pop act. But she was still including country artists as openers. When we asked you on Twitter who your favorite opener was, we did not include Ed, because since we're such big fans of Ed, we assume that everybody else is as well. But out of the other openers, Florida Georgia Line was the favorite with 47%. And then moving on to the most recent tour, of course, 1989, there were three openers for that tour, and they were Vance Joy, Shawn Mendes, and Haim, and Haim was only for select dates. But going back to start with Vance, I didn't know about him before she started touring. I might have heard his song before, but I don't really think I knew exactly who he was because Mess is Mine was released in July 2014. And of course that song became a pretty popular hit. Um, And then of course the tour started in 2015. So I think he had been known, but I think this helped again boost his visibility in the United States. 
while Riptide was also really big, obviously, and I don't think I ever heard of it until Taylor covered it at the live lounge for that performance she did, which was around when 1989 was coming out. Right, I think it was about September or October of 2014. Taylor also tweeted about Riptide, but I don't think I ever listened to the song until she performed at BBC Radio. And so I'm pretty certain that when she did that song at the Live Land, she already had him picked out as an opener because the announcement was not too long after that. I agree with that. Did any of you predict that he would be the opener? I don't think so, but then when he was, I was like, oh, that makes sense. I think I felt the same way. Yeah, there was that little connection. I also felt like, why can't we have Ed Sheeran back? That's true. I definitely remember on episodes we talked about how we weren't sure how another opener could exceed Ed. But I think Vance did a great job. I have since seen him just on his own, headlining a tour, and he was great. And I think he now has a new single that he just released. I think it's called Lay It On Me. Yeah, and he's performing a lot of shows and festivals around the summer, so definitely a chance to catch him again. And Sean Mendez, I don't think I realized till very recently how huge he's actually become. Yeah, he has become really, really popular lately. And even going back to 2015, he was, of course, starting to become popular, but he did really well in 2015. Right before the 1989 World Tour started, his first album came out called Handwritten, and it did pretty well. It sold over 100,000 copies in its first week. That's pretty good. That's really good, definitely. And he is all over the radio now. And he's selling out arenas with his headlining tour. And you have to say, opening for Taylor definitely helped him gain more exposure and likely gain more fans. One thing I always notice about him is that he has a really powerful and strong voice. Whereas Vance Joy has, of course, a great voice, but it's a little bit more relaxed and maybe not quite as strong. Sean just belts it out and he really just hits those notes for with his songs and that's what I love about him. And he plays a lot of instruments too, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And he also usually covered Thinking Out Loud during his opening act, which I think helped because everybody knew Thinking Out Loud. Oh yeah, I remember that now. And just his songs in general were, I feel like, a really good sound and vibe for getting the crowd pumped up. Right, and he was usually... The opener, opener. But after he was finished, then Vance would come out. Correct. And sometimes when Haim was there, they changed up the order a little. Right. Yeah, and Haim was also great. I think they really pumped the crowd up. Yeah, speaking of Haim, they were added to select dates. And I think it was the result of just Taylor becoming friends with them and thought, hey, let's have these sisters that I'm friends with come on tour with me for some of the dates. And... I think that they were my favorite among the three. They were just awesome on stage. I agree. They were my favorite. I would agree with that. And I think that their sound, to me, sounded really 80s. So it fit the 1989 World Tour so well. And I got to see them, I think, four times. But it was not enough. Yeah, I only got to see them twice. And I wish I would have gotten more. Yeah, I think I also saw them four times. But we have talked before on other episodes that maybe they'll show up as a special guest at the next tour. I could definitely see that happening. Yes, that seems to be a theme, as we've discussed with Hunter Hayes and Justin Bieber being openers and then being guests after that. They were already, though, remember, with Hot in Here in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. That's one I think we all wish we could have been at. Yes, I know we've talked about that constantly. <laughs> but I think it could definitely happen again. And our Twitter poll resulted in 53% of you saying that Sean Mendez was your favorite. I would have to think that that might be because not as many people got to see Heim. That's true. I don't know the exact percentage of dates that they were on, but... They were really only at stadium shows and only select stadium shows, really. Right. So it wasn't a whole lot of shows. So I think you're right. 
I agree that may have had an impact. But Sean was great, definitely. And as always, Taylor did a great job picking all three of those openers. So I have to ask you guys, because I'm sure we'll all be wondering this in the coming months, who either that you would want or do you think Taylor would choose to open on the next tour if it's people that we've heard of? Well, I have a good one and I can't take credit for it because I like to browse around Tumblr and I've seen this idea thrown out there before. But it is an English artist. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of her, but her name is Dua Lipa. Have you heard of her? I have. She's getting really popular. Yeah, she's becoming pretty popular, and I feel like that would be a good match. And I can't take credit for it. I saw it on Tumblr, but um, I've seen her on some TV shows like Jimmy Fallon, I think, sometimes. And I've seen a couple of her music videos, and I think she would be good. That's a good choice. I remember in the past, especially during the 1989 era, people were very critical of Taylor for not having a female artist as an opener, especially because during that time, Taylor was talking a lot about feminist issues. Again, I, for me personally, I feel like it was just another reason to criticize Taylor because people like to find anything to get down on her about. But it would be good if she had a, a female opener. For me, I'm not quite sure. I would love to see Ed again, but I know that won't happen. And I would also love to see Lord, but I don't think that will happen. Lord was asked before about being an opener for Taylor, and Lord said she just doesn't want to be an opener. She wants to be a headliner. Yeah, I mean, she she just sold out a headlining tour, so I think she's good. Yeah. But even in the past, before she's had this amazing success with her sophomore album, I respect that she always had the drive and determination to be a headliner. So I'm not quite sure. I really just don't know. I have a couple, I don't want to say guesses, but people that I think would make sense and would fit. One being Kesha. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, that's a good connection. I mean, obviously, Taylor's been very supportive of her and the struggle she's been going through. And now she's at the point where she can finally release music legally. So she's been putting out a lot of new songs. And I'm sure that she wants to get back out there and going on a tour with Taylor would be incredible for both of them. I really like that idea. And I love her new single. Okay, so speaking of Kesha, sorry to sidetrack us, but remember when she posted that Instagram picture and she included 13 emojis? Do you remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Was she saying that that was a collaboration or just a co-write? Because what if it's, what if Taylor is a co-writer on that new song? Do you think that's possible? Well, she's already put out three songs and she seems to be putting out music regularly and I think she was just writing and writing and recording a ton of songs basically during the time when she couldn't release it just to have a bunch ready. So I think that it could be that they did something that is going to be released in the future. Okay, because that post of hers talked about uh, a Grammy winning artist, right? Right, with 13 emojis. So even if it's not Taylor, maybe it will come out down the line that it was somebody else that she worked with. So we'll see. Yes, her current single, Praying, was written by Kesha and three males. Okay, so maybe it's something else that will be on her upcoming album or a new single that will be released in the future. The one relating to the Grammy artist. Yeah, we'll definitely have to keep track of that. If Taylor is involved, I think it definitely would be announced more when Taylor wants more promotion. Right now, I think she kind of wants to hide out still. Yeah, agreed. But speaking of that, Foo Fighters just said this past week, we were thinking maybe Taylor was involved with one of their songs because they did an interview where they said they have a, the biggest pop star in the world on a song. But they confirmed this past week it's not Taylor. To me, then, I just think that's a false statement. It's not the biggest pop star right. in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't understand that statement. Agreed. Well, my other thought regarding opening acts was I could see her having any one of the One Direction members who's now pursuing a solo career. Oh, yeah, that's interesting, too. 
I mean, possibly not Harry, though I think they're on good terms, but I feel like that would just generate way too many stupid media articles. But <laughs> maybe Niall or maybe even Zane, I could see it. So those are just my thoughts. I don't know. But it honestly could be people that we've never heard of, which I'm sure we'll end up loving. Definitely. Taylor never leads us astray. That's one thing I love about her tours. I always am exposed to new music I otherwise would not have been listening to. and. I'm excited to see what happens. And I would be willing to bet that she has openers and a tour generally planned out now. That might be a bold statement, but that's what I think. No, I think you'd be right. I absolutely agree. Those things take so much time and planning, and if there's any chance it could be next summer, I bet she has it all planned now. Yeah, and venues have to be booked, so... Yeah, and I definitely think she'll be touring next summer so she likely has all of this planned out already which is pretty exciting to think about well we hope that you enjoyed our discussion about the openers and we hope that we got you excited for the tour for album six someday we'll have a name for it but if you enjoyed listening to the show please subscribe to us on itunes and it will download our latest episode for you automatically Please also leave us a review and a five-star rating because that will help other people to find the podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can reach us at SwiftCast13 on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us at SwiftCast13show at gmail.com, and you can also visit our website at SwiftCast13.com. For now, for episode 210, this has been Steph. Ashley and Adam and we will see you next week thank you see ya bye guys thank you for listening to this episode of Swiftcast visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com Swiftcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift Big Machine Label Group or 13 Management Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com it's my little escape Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.